Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take a few moments of silent reflection on God's Word and for self
comes from Acts 9 and the following. But Saul, still bringing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed about him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The man who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate or drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision, a man named Ananias, come in and lay his hands on him, so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief, chief priest to find all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road at which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some, some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is this not this man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And he has not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests. But Saul increased all the more in strength, and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading comes from Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back scaled of seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. 
and I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he could open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain by your blood, you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And he heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. 
So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Christ. I like easy ways of things that 
you want people to know. So basically, you take the word I, the word love, and the word you, and you put it together, and it's just like that. That's pretty easy concept. Be I love you. Can you do that? Here you go. Yeah, it's pretty easy, huh? Right. Should I ask them to do it too? Oh, thank you again. I love me. So much love today. So now there's one problem sometimes. When we say I love you, we just don't know if you mean it or not. Right? Maybe in the words, people say I love you all the time. And frankly, I'm not sure they really love me. Right? So we we often show how we love people. In, in a uh, gospel lesson today, Jesus asks Peter, not once, not twice, but three times, he says, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, yes, yes. And each time, Jesus said, do something. Tend my sheep, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And that's how Peter was to show Jesus that he loved him. And he says the same thing to us. He says, God says, do you read? I love you. And we say that, right? I love you too, right? Because he, he, he died for us, he lived for us, he rose for us. That's why we get to say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Good job. Good job. Uh, and so, he says that to us. How are you going to show me that you love me? And he says the same thing to us. Feed my sheep. We're all sheep. Mom and dad are sheep. We feed them too. We feed them a lot of different ways. You feed them with food, right? Right? What's your favorite food? Uh-huh. That's a pretty good food too. You don't have one? How about you? Ice cream. Good job. How about you? Potatoes? Noodles.
from the book of Revelation, the fifth chapter, verses 1 to 14. And it's entitled, Jesus in like a lamb, and the normal response would be, out like a lion. But that's not what Jesus did. He's in like a lamb, now like a lion. And we'll unpack that. If you have your Bibles with you, you might want to open it up and try to follow, follow along with uh, um, us in, in the book of Revelation. Or pull out pencil and piece of paper and take notes. Turn on the microphone on yourself. Um, so let's, let's, let's just get in a sec. So, um, March is, is the month that they say often comes in like a lion and goes out like a lamb. And that is that the month tends to March starts out pretty windy, normally blustery, cold, sometimes even snowy days. Um, but by the last week of March, in theory, anyway, the most extreme the weather gets is a gentle rain, which would have been nuts and a shower. But uh, obviously our March here was a little different. But we don't have a month that says the opposite. That it comes in like a lamb and goes out like a lamb. But our reading for this morning talks about such a situation. In John's vision, he sees both a lamb and he sees a lion. Now, Revelation is the last book written in the Bible, written by the Apostle John, well after this is thought that all the other apostles had, had died. Christians were at a time suffering persecution and very well might have been wondering what the meaning of all this was, and when, and if, there was ever going to be an end to it. Or, their thought was, would the wicked always appear to be in control? It's most certainly a question we might ask today. But at this time, God gave John a revelation, and, it, and, it, and he did that through a series of visions portraying a vivid picture of the future, of the history, the Christian church. Going back to chapter 4, it begins with these words. It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I at first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. And in his vision, John was then taken up to heaven, where he saw God sitting on the throne. And everyone around him and, and, and here is where this morning's reading begins. So John looks a little closer, and he sees that God, in God's hand, is a scroll with writings on both sides of it, and it is sealed by seven seals. And the scroll tells what will happen to the Christian church in the last days. But it is sealed with seven seals, and the words used here indicates that the scroll was tightly sealed. Then an angel proclaimed with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and to open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll. In fact, it was so tightly sealed that they were un unable to even look in and take a peek. And although everywhere we searched, they said no one was found who could even get a glimpse of what the future would be for the church. For those believers that were still left here on earth. In our text, we can tell that it hits, hits John pretty hard because it says he wept and he wept. 
The church was engaged in a battle with the devil, and the church was suffering, and there was even times when it appeared that the church was losing. And John, I guess, or I would guess, must have been longing for some sort of, of reassurance that this world was not going to end in the way that it appeared to be going. One of destruction. And that the gates of hell would indeed never prevail against the church of Christ. That's what John was hoping to see. To see that there was someone powerful, but also good and gracious and in charge. Now, if I was John, if I had been hoping to see some picture assuring me that, that someone was in charge, that someone was powerful, powerful enough to open the scrolls, I would not have been hoping to see a lamb. After all, at the end of March, a lamb is usually gentle, unassuming, and really not powerful. But a lamb is what John sees. He says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if he had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. John didn't have a whole lot of trouble identifying the lamb. And I don't think we do either. Even if we weren't aware that the book of Revelation speaks of Jesus as the Lamb, there's about 30 different times it's referenced there, you and I are probably very familiar with other passages that portray Jesus as the Lamb. We hear it first by John the Baptist when he speaks of Jesus as the Lamb of God, way back in John chapter 1. And then we hear it, but even further back in Isaiah chapter 53, he speaks of all of Jesus' suffering, portraying him as a lamb led to the slaughter. And that is truly the way in which Jesus did come to earth, quietly, humbly, gently. Yeah, he did, he did miracles, but when he was arrested, he went, remember? Not screaming, not yelling, but quietly, humbly, gently. Jesus did speak out against sin and hypocrisy, but when, when he went on trial, he was quiet. Again, humble, gently, especially quiet. And when Jesus was actually killed, he went the same way, quietly, humbly, and gently. Much like the Passover lamb was killed every year in remembrance of the angel of death passing over the house of the Israelites in Egypt. Remember, not only what John the Baptist called Jesus, the Lamb of God, but remember what also John the Baptist said that Jesus would do. Remember what that was? Take away the sins of the world. It was for that very reason that Jesus came as a Lamb. That Jesus had to come as a Lamb. Because the biggest problem of Christians, our biggest problem, has never been the fact that society is by and large um, godless in the truest sense of the world. Our biggest problem has never been that the evil forces outside of the church threaten to harm and persecute us. Our biggest problem has never been that people outside the church are so sinful. Our biggest problem has been that people inside the church are so sinful. Our biggest problem has been that we are so sinful. Our biggest problem 
has been never worrying about how our lives, how we live our lives in an ungodly society, how that would be, how long that would be for us to live in that environment. In fact, our biggest problem was Judgment Day itself. Because the Bible has told us that on that day the deeds of all people will be revealed for all to see. And that includes the Almighty, Holy, Sinless God who has demanded perfection from every and each, each and every one of us. That's our biggest problem. Anybody here perfect? Not me. The devil perfect? Not even close. And therefore Jesus had to come as a lamb. As God has shown to his people throughout the Old Testament system of sacrifices, when there um, was a sin, then there was always a death. Death is the result of sin. The wages of sin is death. That's not a New Testament concept that Paul invented. We always refer to Paul. But the Old Testament worship consisted of repeated sacrifices, repeated killing of animals as a reminder of the very wages of sin. But without a human lamb, God had made it clear that the blood of bulls and goats and lambs were never enough to pay for sin. So without a human lamb, our sin can never be taken away. So it was that Jesus came as a human lamb, as a human sacrifice for the sins of the world, for your sins, for my sins. And he didn't come in a way that anyone expected the Son of God to arrive. He came quietly, humbly, gently. And he offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins, yours, mine, the world's. Because we know that Jesus is indeed the Lamb of God. And you and I can be assured that we will not be led like a lamb to the slaughter on that last day. Because we have been set free from death. In the text, the four living creatures and the 24 elders sing to the Lamb. And this is the words they say. You were slain with the blood you purchased men from God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. The fact that Jesus came like a Lamb means that he has delivered us from one of the enemies, or our enemies. He has delivered us from that three-letter word, sin. And because he has done so, he has the right to burst the seals of the, and to open up the scroll which contains the future. And in his vision, John sees the Lamb taking the scroll from the, the right hand of God and the living creatures and the elders saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open it. Seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men of God from every tribe and language and people and nation. But now it's time for us to open the scroll. Well, actually, our reading today doesn't take us that far. So, if you want, you want to read all the scrolls, you need to go home today and read the rest of the Bible. And that's where the scrolls are found for you and me. Just go home and read the rest of the book of Revelation. And we'll get there. But let me tell you, I'll, I'll kind of give you a, a concise version of the scrolls. I will break it down to you to simply nine words. 
Jesus and we will be victorious in the end. I'll repeat that for you. Nine words. Jesus and we will be victorious in the end. That's a little difficult to believe sometimes. We are Christians, and the Christian church as a whole um, has so many enemies. And sometimes those enemies are people who ridicule our beliefs. Whether our moral beliefs or even our um, beliefs about the Lamb of God and his, his work. Sometimes those enemies are people who appear to be closer to us, who attack us for being what they would say is so arrogant, as thinking that we can know what the Bible says. People attack us for being so elitist as to suggest that good people, as though anyone could actually be good, who don't believe in Jesus will go to heaven, will not go to heaven. And the people who attack the truth for which you and I stand, the people who attack us personally because of our belief, the people who, who try to make your life and my life and the lives of Christians miserable. The people who threaten to do everything they can to eliminate any reference to God in our culture. The devil who attacks us much harder once you and I have faith in the Lamb of God. Once we trust in Him for the forgiveness of our sins. All these things threaten us. And perhaps they might even frighten us. But if we're smart, we do recognize them as threats. We recognize that they have the capability of ripping our faith apart and leaving it shredded, limp, lifeless, as if an angry lion had roared. But there's one thing that can make the gate of this power, the power of a big, powerful lion, and that's an even larger, more powerful lion. And in our text, one of the elders, one of those already experiencing the glories and the joy of heaven, says to John, Do not weep. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. And who is this lion? Well, we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 49, verse 9 and 10. They say this, You, this is a prophecy from Jacob, You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from, from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, he dresses to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom he belongs. Genesis 49, 9-10. Jesus is that ruler, the one who keeps the scepter, the symbol of the rule and of the power in Judah forever. Jesus lion of the tribe of Judah. Now most of us would, pro would probably view the lion with fear, especially if we saw one in the wilderness. Lions and humans, beings, are not friends by nature. We are not like a lion. We are not children of a lion. And the lion will only view us as a threat. By our nature, we would have viewed God and His Son the Lion of Judah, the righteous ruler and judge of the world, the very same way. We were not like him by nature. In fact, we are opposite of him. We are his enemy because of our sins 
yours and mine, separate us from him. The Lion of Judah, the righteous, the ruler and judge of the world, cannot be friends with sinful human being, beings by nature. And that is why we first had to see Jesus as a lamb before we could ever take any comfort in Jesus as a lion. But now that Jesus has come as a lamb to take away the sins of the world, to make us at peace with our righteous and holy God, now we, you and I, are on God's side. Or to put it in another way, God is on our side. We are no longer the enemy because the Lamb of God has taken away our sins, the sins of the whole world. Now the Lion of Judah protects us, you and me, from our enemies. It is as if he is jealous and he protects us as a lion's cub. So if Jesus came as a lamb and went to the slaughter like a lamb, every Easter Sunday he then returns like a lion, shattering the chains of death and then ascending into heaven where we read that God has placed under his feet all authority and powers. Where we read that God has made him head over everything for the benefit of his church. For your benefit and my benefit. That's in Ephesians 1, verse 20 through 22. So if Jesus has conquered death, if he has conquered hell, if he has conquered the strongholds of the devil, if he has roared out of hell and now sits at the right hand of God, what is to keep him from conquering anything that he wants? What is to keep him from carrying out the future in such a way that he and his church come out victorious? Nothing. We heard these words in our text. To him who sits on the throne, and to the land be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. With the saints and the angels, our hearts, yours and mine, can simply add, Amen. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing a lamb and a lion for us. Our Lord coming as the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, to take away our sins. It's coming as our lion to protect us from all the sins of this world, to protect us from the devil and all his henchmen. May we constantly and always bring peace and praise and share his love with the world. Amen. Let us rise and confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church.
that the message of salvation joyfully be told throughout all the world, and the Easter victory of Jesus Christ be celebrated around the globe. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for the nations of the world, that the governments of all nations be a source of blessing to those who are governed, and that oppression in all forms be hindered. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for ourselves in this season of our Lord's great victory, that we truly be Easter people all year long, radiating the light of Christ in our homes, workplaces, and communities. Lord, in your mercy, we pray for all who serve us through their callings, especially for those who deal with special challenges or dangers on a regular basis, including police, fire, and emergency personnel. Also remember at this time the military forces of our nation, those stationed both at home and abroad, whose efforts serve to defend our nation in challenging times. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our we pray for those with special concerns and needs to stay. Especially today, we, we include Steve, a West Auburn's home after having successful surgery um, and continues to recover. We pray for others who are hospitalized, those who grieve, the, un the unemployed, the underemployed, the chronically ill and shut in, and all others whose needs are, are not known to us at this time. Bless them with your presence, gracious Father, that they have a sense of victory in their lives and find strength and hope for each day. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. Merciful God, we, we bless you for having placed into our lives faithful Christian people to guide us. On this day, we remember those who are longer among us on earth, who have completed their earthly races and have won the final victory in Christ. Lead us to follow in their way, that we rejoice together eternally at your table and in your mansions. Lord, in your mercy. Yeah. Amen. Lord, be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let's get let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. And most especially are we bound to praise you on this day for the glorious resurrection of your Son Jesus Christ, the very hostile Lamb, who was sacrificed for us and bore the sins of the world. By his dying, he has restored death. And by his rising again, he restored us to everlasting life. Therefore, with Mary Magdalene, Peter and John, with all the witnesses of the resurrection, with the angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing.
Jesus Christ and the night when he was betrayed to bread. And after having given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take each, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, Take drink, this is the cup, the New Testament of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink it, and remember to me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen.
body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, strengthen and preserve in the true faith of life everlasting. Go.
Almighty God that you have refreshed us through the solitary. So we implore you that of your mercy to strengthen us with the saying and faith for you and fervent love for one another. For Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. It's in good Christian friends rejoice in sin.
being cool leaders, taking crews around. We're trying to get Crip 15 crews. We have in the last couple of years, when we've had it, we've had over 100 kids, and we're trying to cut down our crews for smaller crews. They're a little bit easier to handle when there's a little bit less kids in the crew. So we're off to a good start. How many do we have set up so far, Jason? Uh, nine crews. Nine crews. Crew leaders. Six more. Let's make it seven. Make it a holy number. Seven more. Make it even better. And then we can keep those numbers down to very reasonable. So it's a really easy job, too. Especially with a, a crew of five or six kids versus a crew of 15, which we had last year. With it. And that's, that's fine. The PBS is a great time. So come. We have a whole bunch of other things. If you're interested, um, the week of the, uh, the 13th of June, or even if you can only make it one day or two days, and um, that would be great too. Help setting up, help journey it down. Uh, see Jason, he has all the list of all those, or if you have any questions, you can ask me too. Any announcements that I missed? Ah, I did miss one. Okay, um, so we, if you see that there's something around this church that needs to be done, fixed, you see a broken faucet, or a light out. Um, we have a, a form now, and it's on the screen for you. And those forms are, are um, behind Jason's desk, behind the office desk. And you just fill it out, and you place it in the, into that file there. Um, what's it labeled? Maintenance. Maintenance. <laughs> I really do believe I knew that. Um, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that always gets you out of trouble. Uh, especially if you believe it. Right, we all believe it. So if you see anything, please fill out the forms and, and just slip them there and then, then Jason will process them and depending on if it's something simple, we'll have somebody here. If it's not, we'll get it out to whoever we have to have. And if you have any talents that if we have a broken light bulb and you can fix it or replace it, might be better, right? Um, or anything else, uh, let Jason know that too. So that if we have something that we can fix relatively easily by ourselves, we can save a little bit of money instead of having to call a plumber, an electrician, which we will do if we need to, and we're happy to do that. But uh, they are really expensive, so, but they're also really good. So, but let us know that too. Uh, anything else? Let us know peace. Let's serve the Lord. We have coffee and snacks. Uh, to your right, Bible study starts at 10.45, and we're looking at the fourth chapter of Romans today. And if you missed any of them, don't worry about it. It's coming to our next. Go in peace and serve the Lord.